guys. It is the OG of the HRC, and this is the OG of the HRC way. And we have a very special episode for you today. We have the one and only lovely Cameron Mannheim. And you all know her from The Practice and Ghost Whisper and Major Crimes and now Stumptown or any of the other million fabulous things she's done. And let me just say, this interview with her was an absolute treat. It was fun. It was political, but lighthearted and honest. That is one thing I can say about Cameron. She is mighty honest. And I hope that you guys enjoy this one because, like I said, it's just, it's fun. Hope you enjoy. guys hi it is the OG of the HRC and I'm here with a very special guest and I'm so excited for y'all to hear from the one and only Miss Cameron Mannheim hello hi (laughs) thank you so much for being here it's my pleasure you're officially my first actress so great (laughs) you pop my actress cherry (laughs) so welcome thank you so um I'm gonna just gonna right into it with you uh, deep into it. Let's do it. All right. At what moment did you realize you wanted to be an actress? I thought you were going to say, at what moment did I realize I wanted to be a Democrat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's coming later. Yeah, yeah. That's really deep. <laughs> um, I always knew. I yeah. always knew from the first time I went to summer camp and a counselor asked if I wanted to be in a play. I didn't really know what that meant, but it seemed like I got to hang out with the older kids, so I was down. And then I thought we did it once, you know, we'd rehearse it and then we'd do it once, but we got to do it every weekend and everybody applauded and was so nice to me afterwards. I thought, yeah, this is where, this is where I'm going to stay. It just felt like an instant community and a place where I belonged. And from that moment on, I must've been in the second grade, third grade. Wow. I just, uh, I was on a mission that I was going to do this. Wow. And your parents, were they on board from the get go? Yeah. You know, my parents both were teachers. My father was a professor of mathematics. My mother taught gerontology, the study of aging. You know, um, I think coming from a left-wing, middle-class Jewish family, they really wanted to have a doctor and a lawyer. And I want to thank my brother right now for being a lawyer so that I could be an actor because if he hadn't done that, I don't think I would have had their full support. But they were always into the arts, always into culture, museums and theater so I think they thought it was a cute little pastime of mine when I was younger and might have been a little nervous as I moved forward into it in my high school career and then my college and then I got a master's degree in theater Uh, um, but I think they were worried I mean any parent would be worried it's a very difficult a very difficult profession to go Mm -hmm. into it's filled with it's like a gypsy life filled with a lot of Ups and downs, you never know where you're going, you don't know where you'll be living, you don't know what city you'll be in, a lot of rejection. I think it's hard for a family, for a person um, to make this your life goal, but it, you know, along the way they taught me a lot about fighting for what I believe in, and they're all union people, and we were fighters and on the picket lines, and so I I went for it, and I, uh, it just... It worked in my favor. A whole bunch of things came together to work in my favor. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, you did sort of become a lawyer. I mean, the practice. Listen, (laughs) I went to David E. Kelly Law School for sure. I feel people ask me for legal advice all the time, and I give it to them. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. I, uh, I feel like I did learn a lot. I was living in my brother's back house when I got the practice <laughs> and he is a lawyer, as you know, and I used to remember knocking on his door going, what's an interlocutory appeal? I, I have to say this in my next script. And before you knew it, between David Kelly, Bob Breach, the producer, my brother, the lawyer, I really got some good legal background. Right. Right. So do you carry her with you? Eleanor, do you carry her like, like with my boyfriend? Definitely, like he still has Andy Flynn moments. Yeah, for like, sure. You... you know, it's really funny. When I was doing the practice, a lot of people would ask me, "What, what? How are you two? You know, what do you have in common?" And I used to think like I got the best of her, and she got the best of me, mm. and I carry with her her. I'd like to think I carry with her her integrity, her honor, her sense of justice and fairness she would never you know do anything against her moral code Mm -hmm. and I I think she taught me a lot about that in my eight years playing her and I think I gave her a little sense of fun and adventure and community and uh, social awareness she was a little you know tightened (laughs) up you know a little buttoned up and a little strict with what she wouldn't wouldn't do and I tried to give her a little bit of uh you know, just a little fun in her life, a little laughter. And so we complimented each other well, and I do carry her with me. I miss her a lot. You're mm-hmm. making me a little emotional. Because mm-hmm. they're, you know, you get these roles once in a lifetime. Yeah. And I, I knew at the time it there would never be anything that would match playing her on the practice. So I, I look back very fondly on my eight years on that show, and uh, I I definitely carry Eleanor with me. You know, it's funny. I would like to just say this. The one thing I couldn't stand about her was her name. Oh. I And it was my first TV show, so I couldn't march into David Kelly's office right. and go, hey, listen, let's can we talk about Eleanor Frutt? I mean, it's a horrible name. It's a, yeah, it's a little bit, yeah. It's horrible to say, and everyone, no one got it right, including some of my own cast members. They'd be like, uh, Miss, Miss Fruit, Miss Fruit. You know, it's just, it was just a terrible name. Right. But I never, it was my first television show. I wasn't going to be able to, you know, make a mark. Right. Um, but I want to just cut to, I am now on a new show called Stumptown. Right. And when I when they offered me the part, I read the script and I read the name of the character. And I thought to myself, I'm just not going to have a horrible name <laughs> for the next five to eight years. So right. I said to them, I'm in, I'd love to do it, but you're going to have to change your name. And they're like, what? what? What's this? <laughs> I'm like, I am not going to be called Roberta Volk. For oh, that, eight years. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. I don't blame you on that one. And wow. so they're like, they were kind of shocked that I felt that way. And I said, it's really important to me that I have a name with euphony and that it's pleasing to say and easy for people to remember. Wow. And so they said, well, what do you want to be called? And I looked in my son's directory of his school <laughs> and I was like, well, Roberta, if they, they could call me Bobby, I'll take that. I'll go for Bobby instead of Roberta. And I looked through it, and I gave them about 10 names in the directory, and they picked Cosgrove. So I'm now Bobby Cosgrove. That's, that's a good, right. You heard that's me. A good, yeah. <laughs> that's a great name, and that's also, you felt 
empowered. Yeah, I, mean, I, I really needed to have a, a name that I could say proudly. Not that after eight years I couldn't <laughs> say, you know, Eleanor fr- proudly, but it, it never felt like I could wear it with mm. grace, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Names are important to me, and that's why I changed my name when I was 20. Oh. I wasn't born Cameron, and names are really important to me. Yeah, it's a good name. I love the way you spell your name, too. Thank it's, you. Uh, did you think of that on your own? I did. I, I um, In a hotel in Tel Aviv, <laughs> I even have, uh, I'm on, this is a podcast, so I can't really show you, but I have my <laughs> journal where I tried to figure out how I was going to spell my name. Oh At my first, God. it was a K, it was K-A-M-R-I-L, like Cameron, and then it was... Cameron, and I, I probably went through 10 different spellings, and I got to C-A-M-R-Y-N, and I spelled it out really beautifully, and in parentheses next to it, I wrote for autographs, and right below it, I spelled it like I just scribbled it, and then in parentheses, I wrote for checks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Something um, when I was doing research for this podcast with you, I was like going through your YouTube and moments, and... I used when I was a kid, I, I never wanted to be an actor or anything, but I just was obsessed with award shows. And I distinctly remember when you won the Golden Globe and at the very end of winning that, you were like, This I wanna share this with the senators who are voting no tomorrow, talking about the Bill Clinton impeachment. Yeah. And I just I didn't really know that I was too young to understand the practice or but I just thought, that's amazing because I knew Bill Clinton and yeah. I knew what was happening to him was wrong. So how do you feel about that now? I mean, look, thinking back on it, and we're on the cusp of... So I remember before I went to the Emmys, I was thinking, can I say something? Can I can I take this bold stand and say something, you know, political? And when I won the Emmy, I yeah. held it up <laughs> as high as I could and said, this is for all the fat girls. Yeah, I remember that too. And it was yeah. huge, right? It ended up on the front of the Washington yeah. Post. It was a very big deal. So when it came to the Golden Globes... It was the night before the impeachment hearing, mm-hmm. which is similar to yeah. <laughs> right now. Here we are again. <laughs> Here we are again. Very it was the night before the impeachment hearing, and I thought for sure, you know, Best Supporting Actress comes really kind of in the midway through the program, and Dustin Hoffman was there, and Warren Beatty was there. Someone was going to say something right. about All these the liberals impeachment and hearing, <laughs> and uh, at, when it you know, it was a crazy night because um, Faye Dunaway, they said, this is the first time it's ever happened. We have a double winner. And <laughs> Faye Dunaway is our first winner. And she went up and talked. And I'm like, if they, if I go up there, i got to say something. No one has said anything. <laughs> and um, they called my name. And I went up there and, of course, thanked all the people that, you know, bring you to a, a point like that to get an award. And then I said... This is for every single senator who votes to dismiss the case tomorrow. Mm. And the blades went wild. <laughs> yeah. It went crazy. The next day, I got flowers and a letter from Sharon Stone, <laughs> and people were so happy that I said something because no one else had mentioned it. And then I got a shit ton of hate mail. Mm. You know, I'll tell you, those right wing people <laughs> are so organized in sending out their vitriolic mail because I got a lot of hate mail which was scary at the time. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, then weeks later, drips and drabs of like, oh, Cameron, we were so <laughs> And I'm like, that's the problem with my party. We're so slow. Yeah, and, you know. yeah completely. They're, they've got us beat. They're like Our talking. social media is very slow. Yeah, very, very much so. So that was, 
you know, I come from a very political family, mm -hmm. uh, a union background. My grandfather started the Millinery Workers Union and the Women's you know, the Ladies Garment Workers Union. My uncle was the secretary treasurer of the Teamsters. My parents were both in unions. We're just union all the way back. Mm. And uh, we've been on the picket lines for as long as I can remember. <laughs> I have pictures all over my house of my, my mom and dad with picket signs. So it just felt natural to me to have such a huge platform to be able to reach so many people and just say something important. Not that award shows aren't important, but you know, when you're talking to millions of people, I just think it's, it's kind of nice to remind them of the important things that are happening in the world. Completely. Yeah. And what's interesting, like you said, obviously we're in the midst of impeachment inquiry, which is a little bit different than what happened with Bill Clinton. That was like the vote, the mm -hmm. moment. Um, so obviously there's huge differences between the two. <laughs> and um, what do you think, just in your personal opinion, the outcome of this impeachment is going to be? Just... You know, that's a good, good question. I've been so disappointed these past two and a half years. Mm -hmm. It feels like uh, Trump is really Teflon, that he probably could walk down the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody mm -hmm. and seemingly spin it to be the Democrats' fault mm -hmm. or the <laughs> reporter's fault. Yeah, it's, you know, I... I feel like what's going on right now within the impeachment inquiry is so, so important, yeah. um, not just to us, but to everyone around the world, because everyone has their eyes on us. But <sighs> I'm exhausted. I feel like I have post-traumatic stress syndrome, to be honest with you. I just, the, yeah. uh, you know, I always said that I would become a lesbian for Rachel Maddow. I love her so much. <laughs> and uh, sometimes I can't even watch it. I just can't hear one more piece of news like this where... There are so many actual facts, mm -hmm. not alternative facts, but actual facts pointing um, toward the Republican Party and Trump in particular that we can't seem to convert into uh, people, you know, seeing the truth. Right. It's it's really it's really uh, it's very disheartening and shocking. But I don't want to get. I don't want that to stop me from the fight. This term will hurt us, but it won't take us down. We are so strong and resilient, and there are so many smart and amazing freedom fighters that we will find our way back to, right. Right. to the truth. It's a temporary. Yeah. That's what I always tell everyone. It's a temporary position. It's a temporary moment. feels like it's going to last forever. If you could, if you wouldn't mind, uh, election night 2016, um, when you realized how this was going to play out, what was your what, what was in your mindset? Here we have once again an overqualified woman losing to a man who's not even close to being qualified. So, what was in your mindset at that moment when you it hit you? You know, I remember that night. I was at a you know a white pants party like mm. all my other friends ready to <laughs> cheer on our first female president and this woman who has done so much for our country it was uh it was devastating i think we were all we had all gone out and canvassed for her and supported mm. her and uh really wanted to be a part of that side of history mm -hmm. and uh as the election results were coming in uh, you could see people kind of trickling out of the party and going home and it's, it's true. I went into a very 
dark place. I could never even have known at that point how severe this was going to be. Because there's always, a, we're such, people are hopeful. Mm-hmm. You hope, okay, maybe there is something. Maybe he will shake it up. Maybe he will be some <laughs> right. maverick that will, you know, there's a new guy in town. You always hope. And then every single day, those hopes were dashed. Mm-hmm. And uh, not only just dashed, they they just, you know, as the dreamers got thrown under the bus, as mm-hmm. everyone started, as, you know, uh, the LBGT community, the Q community got thrown under the bus, as everyone got thrown under the bus, it was, um, and to see the, the gullibility of the country mm-hmm. and what they want to believe for whatever reasons they want to, and they vote in their own worst interest. It's just a, it's very, uh, you feel alone when you're living in one of the, you know, like on the coast the or bubbles, and you're yeah. living in one of the bubbles, you just can't believe it. It was uh, so shocking. And I think my whole community kind of needed to take a break and then we rallied and then the women's March came around mm-hmm. and that was one of the most exciting moments of that time when around the globe people you know, stood up and I thought, you know, I have to believe in, in people that we're going to, we're going to find our way back. And, uh, slowly but surely we are, but I have to say, it's been kind of shocking that time after time, we can't seem to get around it. I mean, with the, you know, grabbing the pussy comments to making fun of disabled people, it's just shocking to me. Right. Sorry. You are getting my kitty all over you. Come here. He's really cute. Nobody though, so. knows that uh, I have a 17-pound, oops, come here, a 17-pound big orange cat who really wants to be a part of this interview. He if wants- you could see him, that's all you'd want to watch. Yeah. But you can only he is hear me. So. very, very cute. I must- How old is he? He is, um, I moved that. He's um, 13 and a half. Oh, he's I know. looking good for 13 I know. He's looking Way so to go. sexy, Jeff. So now that we are, I can completely attest to the depression. I mean, I honestly, because this, all I ever dreamed was, was her being president since I was in third grade. And that was my goals at all times. My, everything was about that. So I, I don't think I got out of bed mentally for almost the full year. So I can completely, but for me personally, I got to a point where I started seeing Hillary come back out and like talk at different venues and, and like, be like, this isn't the end, this isn't over. And that gave me inspiration. So what has given you inspiration over the last two and a half years? To be honest, the first bit of inspiration I got was that woman's March in January, Mm -hmm. um, in 2017, when a million people marched in Washington Mm -hmm. and Los Angeles had like 700,000 came. It was, it was the most electrifying thing that I can recall because my parents' generation did all the work for us. Exactly, you know, yeah. we had Roe versus Wade. We mm-hmm. had equal rights. They have done so much for us. And um, our my generation didn't have to do that much. You know, yeah. we, a lot of things were already put in place. And then uh, we squandered a lot of it. Yeah. And uh, then the Women's March came. And that was incredible. Mm-hmm. The, you know, listening to the power and passion of women and what we could do and what we should do. And that galvanized my son's generation. It galvanized my generation. And I've been to five or six marches down at city hall since then. And, uh, 
that was one of them. And then we got active. We did a lot of social media and we raised a lot of money and we, we tried to raise money for the down ballots to make sure that, you know, women were represented and all, all sorts of different people were being represented, uh, in the down ballots. So and it worked because we it, took back the house. Really, we're looking at Virginia. <laughs> Woo! Exactly. You know, and we've been doing a lot of work, slowly but surely. And I, you know, I'm terrified he's going to win in 2020. Everybody yeah. says, when Michael Moore says that he's going to win, it scares the <laughs> hell out of me. But um, we, I think people are really energized right now mm-hmm. and are going to go for the gold. They mm-hmm. really are. Are you leaning towards anyone in 2020, all 52 candidates here? I know. I, You know, I, I like them all for different reasons, mm-hmm. and I, I really do. I, I, there isn't one of them that I wouldn't stand fully behind. It's yeah. hard to make that decision right this minute because what – you know, the debates are just, I Not, think, yeah. horrible. I don't like Especially that Especially with how many people you can I can't. don't like that forum yeah. at all, and yeah. mostly you're just trying to make a splash by – being antagonistic or mm-hmm. being contrary, I really don't want to hear from candidates what's so wrong with the other candidate. Right. All I want to hear is what you're going to do. Right. You know. And so when people start attacking Joe Biden or they right. start attacking Bernie, I'm like, come on, you guys, just tell me what you're. And you may have a lot of similar views, and there's mm-hmm. really nothing wrong with that. I think every candidate feels like I have to separate myself from this other candidate so mm-hmm. I can forge ahead. But you don't really. I think you can say, I feel very similar to Bernie here, and I feel similarly to Kamala here. Um, I, you know, what difference you'll find in me is this. And, uh, and maybe it's just a tone or a likability that makes us follow a candidate, mm-hmm. you know, who all have similar ideas. But I feel in this early stage in the game, they try to separate themselves to where they're bashing each other, which is no good for our party, mm-hmm. and um, I don't think really helps them anymore. I think we've been so lambasted with negativity and accusations that we just want a sane human <laughs> who's passionate, speaks the truth, and has integrity and a good moral code. And grammar. Grammar would and be grammar nice. is really, and spell check. Spell check. And spell check would be good. And not saying the word huge, like huge. I know. I, you know, I, I love Elizabeth. I love Buttigieg. I mean, I love uh, Kamala. I, I, they're, I, they're all amazing. Yeah. They're amazing people. And I, I am grateful for this service that they're doing. I wouldn't want to do it. I mean, I just ran on a very smaller election, a microcosm of the government, uh, for secretary treasurer of SAG-AFTRA. And that was also slightly soul-crushing. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm very sensitive, I find. <laughs> but I, you won. You won the popular vote, and it I, mattered. I did, I did. And uh, and now the work begins. You know, right. an election is just an election. you got to really get your hands dirty and do some good for people. Right, exactly. Know? And speaking of uh, secretary treasurer, uh, congratulations, Thank you. by the way. So unions are in America are slowly the memberships have gone down I think 60% in the last five years mm-hmm. um, in your opinion how important are unions to and people don't even realize it <laughs> yeah. a lot of people don't realize how important their union is I mean people in my own union don't realize exactly what we do for them behind the scenes mm-hmm. um, you know you have just zero bargaining power without a union. Mm-hmm. You need collective bargaining where many 
hundreds, hundreds of thousands come together um, to, you know, create opposition to the the man or the woman or the corporation. And now with multi-conglomerate corporations that have taken over everything, especially in our industry where, you know, AT&T owns Warner, which owns their own streaming service. It's And then Disney owns everything. And then Disney owns all the rest. (laughs) Right. It's, uh, it's, it's vital for anyone to make a living wage, to have benefits, to have pension, to have health, to have any kind of policy in place to protect you mm-hmm. without having those basic, you know, human rights, uh, you, you can't thrive in your life. Mm-hmm. You can't make uh, enough money for your family. You can't have health care. You need to be in a position where many people in mass can go in and bargain and they can, they will see what they, what is at stake that they could lose. Right. So unions, um, Unions keep honest people more honest and the people who aren't honest, you know, on track. It's we we need them to to protect us for fair wages, for better working conditions, for, you know, diversity in in all aspects. Mm -hmm. Um, But unfortunately, people who are in unions, most people I find right now are kind of discontent because the world has changed so rapidly around us. Mm -hmm. I can speak for. The people I know in my union, most actors are are scared. You yeah. know, everything changed. There there used to be a handful of shows, and we kind of knew the rules around everything. Mm-hmm. Now there's 425 shows per year, and we don't know the rules. All the rules have been turned upside down. Um, our union, SAG-AFTRA, is trying to keep everyone to adhere to rules and people who don't have rules to bring them into the rules. Right. And that's a very easy way of describing what our union does (laughs) but we have 600 staff members who are working non-stop all around the world to make sure people are paid their residuals are getting you know all of the privileges that they're supposed to have the rights that they have that they're safe and um that they're being paid for the use of their likeness right and you know now we have the deep the deep fakes where all they need is an image of you and can put it full use you as a full performance I right mean, they're doing it with um james dean right now. right i know yeah with by the way the permission of his family um yeah. they are taking the images that they have yeah. and using um like motion capture and vocal um, performers to make to put him in a movie right and uh they're going to be able to do that as much as they want if the union doesn't stop it mm-hmm. so if people are worried now, they should be deeply worried that that is coming down the pike and actors could just be eradicated and not necessary at all. Yeah, absolutely. I will say that SAG after you guys have some of the best health benefits I've ever seen. I mean, honest, I was shocked. I mean, my boyfriend, he qualifies for the top tier and yeah, remarkable. Truly well, we've remarkable. always had really good health care and we merged, um, you know, SAG... Screen Actors Guild and AFTRA, the American Federation of Television and Radio, mm-hmm. used to be separate unions. Mm-hmm. And as an actor who worked in both unions, it was a little frustrating because we have minimums we have to earn to get health care. Right. So I could have earned $15,000 in AFTRA and $15,000 in SAG, right. and I wouldn't have qualified for either of the health care. Right. But now that we're merged, the combination of those two would qualify me for mm-hmm. health care. So... Healthcare is uh, obviously of 
utmost importance to everyone uh, on the planet, and mostly here since we our healthcare system is so messed up. But yeah, yeah SAG AFTRA has an amazing healthcare plan yeah. if you qualify. Yeah, you yes. know, and so and there's three tiers. Is that right, or two tiers? There's two tiers that I know of. Mm-hmm. There's Plan One and Plan Two, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, every actor wants to reach the Plan One because yeah. it's so <laughs> much better. But sometimes you you miss it. Yeah, and you um, you can opt into a, a secondary plan that's that's pretty good actually. Right. Um, but you know, as a union, obviously our healthcare is extremely expensive because it's so good, mm-hmm. and so we, you know, I wish we could. Um, cover every single union member every single year right. at infinitum, but we really need them, the producers and the actors, to be contributing to the plan to make, mm-hmm. to make whatever population earns that top tier. So, since you guys are private and unionized, um, with Medicare for all, that would change everything. So, how do you feel about that? Because you know, you I really, a- I don't really know enough about it yeah. to speak to it. Yeah, I yeah, wish yeah. I wish I knew more about it, because it's a it's a complicated situation. Healthcare in general is complicated, and people don't understand how. Complicated I know. I wish I knew more about that, and and just you asking me that question makes me want to really understand, you know, understand it more. But I haven't been, yeah, yeah, in yeah. a situation where I needed it, so I haven't as I haven't done as much research on it that I would like to to comment. Yeah, it's a big uh, topic of conversation these days, but there's still a lot of questions. So you're not alone. There's still a lot of <clears throat> unanswered questions going on of uh, what would happen because people, some people like their private insurance and they're not paying like sag after so well i was just talking to a friend of mine who belongs to um Af- uh, actra which is the union in canada and you know they actra uh, i mean canada which you know has socialized medicine mm-hmm. uh you know covers certain things but not specialized things right and so there's always this idea that you need to have some supplemental income right, for, secondary, yeah. you know, uh, massage therapists or acupuncture, right. or, you know, right. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I don't know enough about it yeah. to comment. We're, uh, it's going to be a long conversation. You're not behind it. <laughs> um, so you have Milo who is off in college now and a cutie patootie. My niece is so in love with him. It's so funny, but, um, after having him, did your belief system change? You mean my belief in religion, my just belief in, anything in general? in general just it sticks out to you. Wow, that's a really um, good question. I love his name, by the way. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Know, I, you know how important names are to me. I know. I get that now. So, of course, I had a huge list, and somebody told me you should stand at the bottom of the stairs and scream the name as loudly as you can, because that's what you'll do most of their lives. So, Dashiell was a big contender, and I stood at the bottom of my stairs, and I screamed, Dashiell! And it was like, it doesn't, it's not a good name to scream that ends in an L. And when I was like, Milo! get your ass down here <laughs> I'm like that's the name that's it. good name um, good did my belief system change that's a great question and to be honest with you I think when you have a kid you got to get pretty solid on your belief system mm. because there's so many questions coming at you and you're fielding these questions about mm. you know family and religion and honesty and character and morals because those questions come at you really they as the years go on and they get more and more uh deep and (laughs) profound and you don't want to be wishy-washy there so i 
thought a lot about how I would answer questions. Mm. Um, you know, when he'd say, do you believe in karma? <laughs> you know, and I'd be like, well, I do, but I don't know if I would call it karma. And he goes, well, what would you call it? And I said, <laughs> I would call it statistics. <laughs> when you do good things, good things come back to you. And that is just statistically and mathematically sound, <laughs> you know, and we'd have uh, talks about religion too. Cause that idea of God came up a lot mm. and, and do I believe in ghosts? And you got to really dig down and figure out how you're going to answer that. Cause you know that what you have to say is going to weigh really heavy on them. Um, but one thing that changed for me was just being flexible. Cause I, you know, as a kind of a solo flyer, most of my life, I mean, I'm a single mom, you know, I, I just, I just always kind of controlled my environment. And then all of a sudden this little bruiser came in and I couldn't do that anymore. So I had to learn pretty quickly to be a little bit more flexible and to pick my battles and I'm still doing that. He's in college now. So. <laughs> Well, I think he did a great job. He's... I He makes me look like I did a really good job. <laughs> he is one of those great kids, was great coming out, was a joy and a pleasure. Mm-hmm. And is the one thing I can say about Milo is that he moves towards joy. He oh. just always wants to be happy and have fun. And it's just truly remarkable. And I'm a little bit in awe of how he lives his life like that. Oh, well, he had to get it from somewhere. Yeah. Well, we had some fun. We have a lot of games parties at my house. Yeah. That's a big... So we had a lot of like, yeah. people over all the time. Yeah. I might be a single mom and have only one kid, but we had people around this table all the time. Right. Friends or family. Yeah. yeah. Completely understand. What does it mean for you to be fully in your power? What does that feel like? To be fully in my power. I give lectures around the country and... One time this woman at a, I was at a Jewish Federation meeting and she, she was all very well put together, beautiful suit, her nails were done, she was very coiffed, you know, her hair was gorgeous. And after I gave this lecture, she said, how are you so confident? Mm. And at first I, I was, I thought, oh, that's a really beautiful thing to say. And then when I thought about it, I thought, what she's really saying is, look at me. I am so put together, and yet I feel so out of control. Mm. And look at you. You are just larger than life and, you know, probably not as put together as me. (laughs) (laughs) But yet you're so into control of it all. Mm. And I I didn't know how to answer her question, really. I, I thought to myself, you know, confidence is a choice. Everybody feels that you confidence has to be bestowed upon you but i believe you seek it out you choose it for yourself and truly i think confidence is the sexiest it is the most beautiful body part uh affect that a pure human can have everybody wants to be with someone who feels confident confident Mm -hmm. in what they're saying confident in what they're doing passionate about what they love and when I am mostly in my power is when I'm informed, mm. when I know what I'm talking about, when I feel passionate about what I'm talking about, when I feel that I can engage people and that I, if I'm not with like-minded people, I can still reach them. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I teach a lot, I lecture a lot, and I'm in rooms with a lot of different people. And I am... I like to 
cross the aisle, no matter what story I'm telling, and reach people. Um, but I'm mostly in my power when I feel safe, mm. and I try to surround myself with people who make me feel safe, my confidants, my family, my friends who have my back. Mm -hmm. And when I'm fully informed and moving toward something that makes sense and makes a difference to me. When I see women supporting women, you know, there was a lot of, a long time in my career where I felt like there were so few roles for women and so few high um, offices for women and, and jobs for women that women were kind of oppressing each other to get to the top. And mm -hmm. things have changed. It is the most exciting time in my life to see women literally linking arms and supporting and elevating each other. Mm -hmm. And that makes me feel powerful too, right. to know that I have finally got my constituency, my females, <laughs> right. and we are, you know, fighting for the greater good. Your wolf pack. Yeah. yeah. And you would my say- posse. Have, yeah, your posse, your squad. <laughs> you have a handful of girlfriends, like a squad. Are you like more, a lot of girlfriends? Short, like, to me, you seem like a person who has a lot of friends in a lot of places, so- I do have a lot of friends, but I have a, a core group. Mm -hmm. I have a couple core groups. One group I have, our, our children all went to preschool together, and we oh. call ourselves the momtourage. <laughs> and uh, they, <laughs> they kind of befriended me early on, not because they liked me, um, but because they wanted tickets to American Idol. <laughs> and um, years later, they told me that was why they wanted to be my friend. But we ended up being friends throughout the whole school process and now beyond to college. Mm -hmm. Even though our kids went off to different schools, we really had this little tight bond, bond the momtourage. Right. I have friends from New York, my graduate school friends. <laughs> I have friends from Santa Cruz. I have friends from high school. They don't all interact, right. but they're all very important to me. And then, because I am a single woman and have been single for most of my adult life, uh, my friends and uh, being out and about and not getting insular in my home mm -hmm. is really important to me. So I go to all the school functions <laughs> and I go and listen to lectures and I go to every award show and every <laughs> premiere I'm invited to. <laughs> right, right, right. I do like to get out there. I go to every poker tournament. That's where I see yeah. your boyfriend all the time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just... You're crazy. I love people. Yeah, I know. I can tell with that. And you're a Pisces too, so you're de like you're. But you know, no one ever guesses that. Really? I will say to people, get, okay, if you're so into this, you know, yeah. I'm very pragmatic, I, and I and I come from a very mathematical and scientific range, so I'm not in, inter, interested in any of the, you know, I call it the touchy feely granola <laughs> stuff. Like I know people say astrology, it's all mathematical, but I don't, I don't buy it. Right. And I always say to people, just guess. And I go, and I promise you, it will be the last one you guess. <laughs> and they will go through the Gemini, the Cancer, the Aquarius. Yeah. They can't not ever guess Pisces. That's funny. And maybe I just don't seem like a Pisces. No, when I read your birthday, I was like, oh, that makes sense. She's she's a Pisces. I don't. I didn't even know you really at that yeah. point. But I was like, no, she's from everything Tony said. Like she's a Pisces. I'm a Leo, and I'm very much a Leo. So okay. you know, <laughs> I you know. It's, it was hard for me being on a show about ghosts because I felt 
a, a deep need to, you know, uh, promote my show by talking about ghosts, but I don't really believe in ghosts. Right. So it's like, right. I always find myself in these predicaments where I'm on, I was on a show called Living Biblically and I'm an atheist <laughs> and I was on Ghost Whisperer and I don't believe in ghosts. Right. And so I'm, uh, you know. You're a good actor though, because you like promoted them and people didn't know that. I mean, well, the truth is, is now because I'm more flexible because I've had a kid, mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm right. I just... You know, that's just my feeling. And I have opened my mind and expanded my heart and thoughts that all these things are totally possible because people who I trust and find to be much smarter than I do <laughs> believe in all of this because they've had experiences. Right. I just haven't had them. So I don't mean to say like, oh, I don't believe in them and anyone who does is ridiculous. Right. That's, I might have thought that earlier, but <laughs> now I'm like, I don't, but I completely believe you do <laughs> yeah. and I feel a little sad that I don't get to have those experiences right, right. I kind of lose out right there you go it's very open-minded for California that's well <laughs> that's that's what happens when you're a mom you got to get open-minded fast <laughs> well you're good at it you're good you're good you. speaking of poker Tony says you are a phenomenal poker player how did you learn how to play poker <sighs> you know I'm a games player from way back oh, I okay. never played poker my family didn't play poker because we play for honor, not for money. <laughs> okay. So cribbage, backgammon, bridge, these aren't really money-making right. games. <laughs> um, and that's what we played in my family. So one time, I was invited to this guy, Norby Walters. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Every, you've heard about him. He's there right now. Probably <laughs> everybody talks about Norby Walters. Yeah, the Oscar party. I was yeah. invited to a party. It is supposed to play like five-card stud. How hard can that be? <laughs> And so some, you know, I, I, somebody taught me how to play it and I went, you buy in for like 60 bucks and, uh, everyone at the table is famous. Yeah. You know, I re I used to keep the cards of the people who were at the table cause I couldn't <laughs> believe who would be at this table. It would be like Joe Polonia. Yeah. And, and then Dom DeLuise, then yeah. Dennis Weaver, Ed Asner, Sharon Stone. <laughs> you know, you couldn't believe the people yeah. who were at this table. Yeah. So for 60 bucks, I could, I don't care. I'll lose anything to go and listen to the stories. And they would have the greatest stories. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember when we toured with the Sunshine Boys, you know? Totally, <laughs> it was, yeah. It was great. Or there'd be a fight. Like, you're a fascist. <laughs> and people would stand up and spill their cold cuts. It was so fantastic. And so I was like, invite me anytime. And I'd go, I'd pay my 60 bucks, I'd lose. And, um, but you know, because I'm a gamer and I'm mathematically inclined, I, um, when I really paid attention, I was, I was starting to do pretty well. And then Texas Hold'em became all the rage. Yeah. We didn't even play Texas Hold'em at Norby Walters no, game. No, it's still. It's still five card and seven card stuff. Somebody comes and that's home it. with like $60. That's yeah. it. That's it. And, and, um, and so I remember this, uh, these guys came over to watch us play and it was so much, they were having so much fun watching all the celebrities, you know, banter, rah, rah, rah. <laughs> Um, they said that they were going to start a celebrity poker showdown television show oh. and that they wanted us all to come. And I, I'd never played Texas Hold'em in my life. But, you know, somebody said, oh, my God, it's easy. We're going to teach you. So I got a little uh, tutorial. They came to my house. <laughs> Vince Van Patten and Mike Sexton <laughs> came to my house to teach it to me so I would go on their show. Oh, yeah. So I went on the show and I lost miserably. 
I lost on a pair of threes. It was one of the most humiliating things that ever happened to me. It was filmed. It was going to air. And I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, you know, they say about Texas Hold'em, it takes five minutes to learn, but a lifetime to master. Mm -hmm. So I had learned it in five minutes, but I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I went on this television show. I lost miserably. I was was humiliated. I was so upset about it that I decided to go to Vegas and enter into a poker camp. And because I don't ever do anything half-assed, so I I learned how to play poker. And then I was so into it, calculating odds and pot odds and ratios and blah, blah, blah. I was so into it. Then I'd go to Norby's house, and they wouldn't play Texas Hold'em. Yeah. So the only place I could go to play Texas Hold'em were these home games where people were playing for a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I was losing some money until a couple of years in. I started winning some money. <laughs> And I started to put it all together. It really does take quite a long time mm-hmm. to learn that game well. Yeah. Um, and now I teach it to all my friends, <laughs> especially women, because I want more women in the game. Yeah. And uh, I love to go to, you know, I don't really go to the casinos so much. Every once a year, I'll go to Vegas with some girlfriends, but mostly I do it for charity um, or I'll have a tournament myself for charity. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it's so crazy poker. It's really the only thing I could do for five hours straight and not want to get out of my chair. Like, try to pee at a break because I just don't want to leave the table. I can't explain to you why I love it so much because the truth is is if you're bored playing poker, you're not playing poker. Uh. Everything everybody does at the table is telling you a story. So every time somebody makes a move, twitches, talks, whatever they do, they're telling you a big story about their hand. And I find it like just a great social study in people and how they lie and human nature. (laughs) I love it so much. I can't explain it, but I'll play poker anytime. How often do you play? Tony's a terrible player, and I'll tell you why. I mean, he's an actually a good player, but he's yeah. terrible because if you ask him what he's holding, I know, he'll, te- he'll tell you. He's such an honest guy. I know he that can. if you say you got kings, and he'll be like, "Yeah, yeah I do." I do. He will not. He will not tell a lie. Yeah. And for that reason, he's not a good poker player. <laughs> I know it's crazy, but really, when he sets his mind to it, like he, he it's because I get the money from him. That's like our agreement when he goes to Norby. Okay. I'm like, no, I want that money, like the forty dollars. Yeah. If you're gonna lose him for the night and <laughs> yeah. you don't get to do something with your boyfriend, yeah, 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 you yeah. you get the cash. Right. 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 I no, it. I enjoy that he goes. I used to, when we first started dating, he used to take me to games to like show off. Like, and at first I was like, oh my gosh, Ed Nasner, like um, Renee, um, Taylor, all of, I was just, and then after a while I was like, okay, I'm bored. Like yeah. I don't play. So I, you know, I don't know how to play at all, but yeah, he, you're right. He, he'll tell you, he'll completely You know, you. a lot of people don't know that about him and most people don't ask what people have. And in fact, in a tournament, I think it's illegal to say. <laughs> But he'll still tell you if you he'll ask. He'll tell you, yeah. You know? That's honest Tony. Honest Tony. He's yeah. so, he's the best human. <laughs> he's I he's love a good him. guy. I got a good one. I'm very you thankful. Did. You know, Tony's the kind of guy who just shows up for for you. He mm-hmm. shows up. He Every time you ask him whether it's a, a charity event or a union event or just, you know, I want to introduce you to someone, he shows up every time. He's just the, the best kind of yeah. Mensch you can <laughs> yeah. find. He's a man of his word. Yeah. You know, his his dad, um, his dad passed away. He his dad was a truck driver, teamster and, you know, normal guy and I think he had like five hundred people at his memorial because he was always a man of service. Yeah. And so that's he's so much I never knew his dad, but that he's so much like his dad. It's, yeah. It's 
it's amazing. It's it's a rarity too. Well, you're lucky because I think everybody feels this way about Tony. Yeah. He's just he's just good through I and know. through. He is he's a good guy. He's gonna hear this and be like, yeah. Ah. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, okay. You're gonna play in the part where I say he's a shitty poker player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will. Totally. I will. Absolutely. He'll be like. Hopefully he'll be like, laugh. you're right. You're right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So we have the holidays coming up, mm-hmm. and are you a big? Do you host Thanksgiving? Do you? You know, I we. I uh, how do I say this? Uh, <laughs> I alternate Thanksgiving oh, okay. with my dear friend Maria Bello. Oh yeah. Her son Jackson was born one day apart from Milo, Aww. and they have been best buds since they were born. <laughs> That's a screen. So <laughs> it's I know, and so we. Uh, always want the boys to be together because they're like brothers. Yeah. So one year it's her house, one year it's my house, oh. and we usually have kind of a wandering Jew Thanksgiving <laughs> where anyone who's kind of single and not with their family or, you know, yeah. just feeling like they need to be with, you know, a good solid group of people, we invite them. So we're expecting, you know, 30 or 40 people wow. at her house. Wow. And uh, we always do a great, a great, event we play games we sing it's yeah. you know it's a really it's what it's joyful supposed to be about, occasion right? <laughs> yeah but it, this is probably going on our i don't know 12th or 13th year where mm-hmm. we've been together and we do they do christmas um eve mm. um you know uh i don't do christmas eve because i'm i'm a jew <laughs> i we light the candles but of course milo would rather be at their house for christmas it's way more fun right, right, right. <laughs> so we just kind of do a lot of collective uh, holidaying together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like brothers. Right, right. So, who would you say are your role models? Well, let me say this: were models when you were ten years old, and role models now. Well, well, when I was ten, it would probably have been you know Marsha Brady. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that's crazy. I would say that because uh, Ma- you know Maureen McCormick came to see my son in Dancing with the Stars. Oh, right. I kn- I saw her at a poker tournament. This is how small the world is, everybody. I always say there's only 200 people, and the rest is done with mirrors. Right. Because I'm just saying that like Marsha Brady was my role model when I'm 10, and then I made her at a poker tournament, and I go, "You should come and see my son in Dancing with the Stars," and she came. And she came. I know. Oh my god. She came. That's so nice. So yeah, I mean that. Um, you know, you had a lot of that, people coming to see probably you. at that point in my life. My role models were actresses and, you know, Jodie Foster and, and, uh, Carol King and, mm. and, you know, Joan Baez. Those were, yeah. those were the people, the people that I looked up to, you know, my sister's five years older than I am. Take that Lisa Mannheim. <laughs> and, uh, she, whatever she was into, you know, I was into, into. I just followed her and yeah. it was mostly music and, and, uh, in movies, really. Yeah. Um, and, you know, gosh, I mean, there are so many women that blow my mind now, not, you know, not the least of which is my mother, who's 94 years old. Oh, my God. Who goes to school every single day. She goes to senior university and oh takes God. class on existentialism or, or medical marijuana she took a class in. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you become that old, you can take yeah. classes in anything, and it, it, it just flies. Like, right. there's no governing body right. saying, we can't teach the kids about marijuana. <laughs> They're 94. That's amazing, 94. She, yeah, she takes current events. She, you know, wow. you know. I mean, she is, uh, she's fantastic. And, uh, I mean, through the years it, it's been, 
you know, outspoken actors. It's been, you know, I, there are role models for me in my, in my profession, like Kathy Bates has always oh been God. a huge... You were on Harry's Law with her, right? I was on Harry's Law with her. Oh my but, God, I love that show so much. Going back even farther, when I got out of graduate school, every agent I met said, oh, you remind me of a young Kathy Bates. <laughs> And I was like, who is this Kathy Bates? <laughs> and I remember going to TKTS in New York and getting a very expensive, like $30 ticket to see her in um, in The Road to Mecca by Arthur Fugard. And I remember watching her, and I, I don't think I'd ever seen a performance as captivating as hers. And I wrote her a letter, and she called me, and she took me to lunch. Oh, my God. And I don't remember a word she said at lunch because really the whole time all I was thinking was, oh my God, I'm sitting with Kathy Bates. I can't believe I'm sitting with Kathy Bates. And I, I remember thinking, well, I'm, I couldn't be more honored that people said I remind them of a young Kathy Bates. Yeah. But the truth is we were really nothing alike. No. She's very Southern. She's, very, she's smaller than I am. She's older than I am. And I'm like, wow, the only thing that really we can compare ourselves to is that we're kind of heavyset actresses. Right. And I realized then that at that point, people only had one thing in mind yeah. when they thought of uh, a curvy woman, you know, with Kathy Bates. And that's when I kind of went on my quest to change that mm -hmm. that perception that women like me could be sexy and could be articulate and could be all of that and more. And that's why David Kelly really changed my life and changed, I think, the life of a lot of women mm -hmm. who got to see... Eleanor Frutt as a role model for them. Yeah. Um, you know, Gloria Steinem was a role model for me. <laughs> I mean, writers, musicians, there, there's just so many, I don't even know yeah. where to begin. But there are there's so many amazing women who have paved the way and on whose shoulders I stand. Mm. And, uh, you know, and now it's even... It's even more incredible. I just feel like I am living in one of the most exciting times ever where women are just being elevated as yeah. directors, as heads of corporations, as right. It's every it's everywhere. And people are taking it really seriously mm -hmm. to populate their their jobs, their organizations with women. Yeah. And finally, it's uh, it's really changing and really happening. Yeah. So I'm, very exciting. It's very exciting. Like I said, I have an 11 year old niece and I'm so excited for her that she's, you know, she went on the quote unquote Hillary journey with me and yeah. she's like right there and she was only eight years old at the time. But I mean, she is aware, like I never have said anything bad about the current man in the white house because I wanted her to make her own decisions. Yeah. And, and she came to me one day and just said, he's just not nice. And I like what these girls are saying. And mind you, the girls, I'm kidding, you know, was Nancy Pelosi. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I'm doing something. <laughs> I like what that girl is saying, too. I was like, okay. That, that's, that's, I, yeah. It's I'm a, doing something right. It's a very exciting time. Exciting. Talk about role models. Nancy Pelosi is one of mine. I mean, it's, she is incredible. It, and she is so graceful and gracious and smooth and smart and uh, thoughtful and insightful and I am I'm so very grateful that your niece my son and kids all around get mm -hmm. to see her in the position she's in um, doing the amazing work she's doing she's a woman who was made for the times mm -hmm. you know I, I can't express that enough she is 
Oh my, I'm, I have, I'm so deeply in love with her. So <laughs> you would become a lesbian for Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> I, I, I would do it for Rachel Maddow. You got Nancy Pelosi. She's, I mean, she's just this little woman in her four inch heels and she just owns everything. Every room she's in, every, and, you know, I and mean, she's I grew up in She's not rattled. Yeah, she's not she, rattled. She's. Talk about somebody in their power because she's so informed. She's so ready. She's so prepared. Yeah. And uh, she, you know, she reminds me of Meryl Streep in The Devil Rose Prada. She oh, never yes. has to raise her voice to hold court. Yeah. It's just she speaks, yeah. you listen, and you stand at attention because what she's saying is so smart. And she never gets riled. No, and she's always in control. That's always. what I always say. Like, she's playing chess and everyone else is playing checkers yeah. because she's... She's just in the moment, and yeah. Uh, and yeah, she's not. I agree. Good. That's my that's my goal is to be playing chess. Yeah, you know, I pl- I, I go I go between marbles, checkers <laughs> mostly, and every now and then, uh, in a really good moment, I'm playing chess. Right. So. No mahjong. No mahjong. <laughs> no, I, you know. For me, Mahjong, I, no, I don't want to say. I, you know, there's going to be someone who's listening who plays Mahjong. It's I'm okay. sure it's a great game. But, like, who has time? It's, it's a commitment. Who has time? It's a commitment. It is. Although, I could say the same about poker. I mean, who has time? You have. <laughs> like, you... I, I guess I, well, because you can play online. I can play, you know. Yeah. I, and you can go to any city in the world and play poker without speaking. Oh, and, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love that's that. That's true. That's very true. I love that. Very so. true. Okay, so to wrap this up, what are three words to describe yourself? Oh, God. You couldn't have told me that in advance so I could think about it. <laughs> no, that's the whole point. You know, it's really hard to describe yourself in three words. Mm-hmm. Bossy. <laughs> that's definitely the number <laughs> one word. Um, I think Beyonce says not bossy, the boss. That's what Beyonce said. Yeah, I'm just more bossy. I'm more. I'm not the boss. Nobody gives me that uh, That's title. That hat, that hat. Definitely not the boss, but bossy. Um, I am a problem solver. Mm. At my core, if you present a problem, even if you're asking for my opinion, <laughs> I really just can't stop thinking about it till I can solve it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, you know, I want to say something mushy and <laughs> nice, but, you know, I'm, even though a lot of people find me slightly intimidating, I am truly, at my core, very tenderhearted. Yeah. So, tenderhearted, a problem solver. And bossy. bossy. There you go. <laughs> Thank you so much, Cameron. This was amazing. I hope we can do it again uh, if you enjoyed yourself. <laughs> Thank you so much for even posing these interesting questions. Yeah, I try. And you really <laughs> you really asked me some questions I had to think about. And we're Trying not stock questions I'm used to answering. Yeah, 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 yeah. like where so you So I'm <laughs> exhausted. Um, and uh, no, but I'm going to, you know, it's like, it's really nice when you have an interview with someone and then you think, I'd like to find out more about that or ponder that more closely. Oh. So I appreciate that. I appreciate you, you know, asking really interesting questions um, that, I don't know, forward humankind and aren't I'm just trying. laced in, you know, gossip and, you know, yeah. current affairs. But just, you know, pensive, interesting questions. I thank you thank for that. You. That's really 
great interview. Appreciate it. Thank you it. so much, Cameron. All right, guys, until next time, this is the OG of HRC signing out. Somebody needs to write a rap for you. <laughs> the OG of HRC.